0: mchd 3 Detroit, kmpshd HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston,
1: and on AOL Radio, and Yahoo Launchcast, Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now, 248-545-SOLVE. New SkyRadio.com. Believe.
2: Are all spirits deceptive? What are the true origins of our most common beliefs? What happened to Ben and me when we visited Randlesham Forest in England about, what, a little over a week ago?
3: Uh, well, absolutely nothing. And welcome to the 384th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And we're home from our adventures in Iceland and England, and uh, we're glad to be back with you live once again, considering it's been like... three or three weeks? About three weeks of uh, pre pre-recorded shows on here so. well yeah. well whatever replays so with all the emails that have piled up while we were gone and those that have already been piled up uh for over the last two weeks and longer we decided to do an open line show tonight so let's get started so please feel free to call in this evening 248-545-7685 again 248-545-7685
2: well, a major area – well, first of all, let me apologize for our voices. As soon as we got off the plane, we get hit by our allergies again, and we'll be croaking our way through the next few shows, I guess. But a major area of our correspondence interest over the past two weeks has been did anything interesting happen to us when we visited Rendlesham Forest? That, of course, is the place in eastern England where the famous UFO sightings and landings of 1980 took place and a number of other interesting things have occurred over the centuries – And we, of course, did uh, over 30 hours of on-air time with the uh, major witnesses, and uh, we really have uh, – we don't owe anything to that case.
3: Okay. So we arrived in the village of Woodbridge in Suffolk on Friday, September 21st, and we hooked up with Gordy Goodger and uh, Larry Warren, who organized our speaking program there. And uh, UFO Witness Larry One was there with us, as I mentioned, a uh, frequent guest on this show. And thanks uh, to both of them. We had a marvelous time. We
2: met some wonderful folks over there who were listeners of the show, and we had a standing room only audience. Uh, we can brag about that, but it was kind of a small group, so <laughs> I guess that's nothing yeah, to Yeah, uh, close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, events uh, – well, I, I, I don't know. Um, all right, well, the, the events of the evening – uh, we're interesting, on Friday we arrived, uh, we, we were uh, sort of hanging out with uh, our uh, some relatives in other parts of England, and then drove from London to um, Suffolk. Uh, if I never see another roundabout, it'll be too soon. Oh, God. <coughs> Excuse me, and we arrived on Friday evening, and uh, went out to Rendlesham Forest. Uh, it was, of course, our first visit, but Larry Warren, the, one of the witnesses, of course, was with us. Uh, also, uh, Brenda Butler, Beverly Plumridge, Gordy was there, and... Uh, a few other people we were uh, you know, who are listeners of the show and, and certainly are now good friends of ours. Um, I, I don't know if you—you're usually no. pretty reticent. You don't want to talk about what no. happened Friday. Nope. Okay. All right. Well, just keep guessing. Okay. Well, suffice it to say, Ben it's did not. Co- against,
3: it's nothing against you, people or our listeners or whatever. It's nothing against you. It's the fact that I hate talking about it. Yeah. Okay. You well, can I talk heard. about it if you want because I need to go get up anyway.
2: Uh, okay. All right. Okay, Deal. No, I will be right back. All right. In. So anyway, suffice to say Ben did not return on Saturday to the uh, to the forest when we visited it by day. The uh, The nighttime visit was extremely interesting. A number of people do go out there at night and see all sorts of things. Of course, it's easy to see things if you are suggestible or open to it. But there, there are photographs, especially by Brenda Butler, who uh, is, is a local author in that area, who has written about this case, uh, that are really, really Remarkable. Uh, Obviously, no time to test them, but uh, from my experience, uh, for what it's worth, they they were quite remarkable photos. Uh, A number of things, and our our entire contention, and one of the reasons for us going there, is our contention that in investigating flap areas, areas where seemingly unrelated paranormal phenomena are going on on a long term basis, that uh, this is probably one of the most major areas we visited. Uh, Ben, uh, being of shamanic uh, training and and a shamanic bent uh, under the guidance of uh, a very uh, adept uh, and a very spiritual man uh, who was a Mexican full-blooded Aztec shaman uh, who has been training him over the last few years. Uh, Ben was uh, overwhelmed by the energies in this area. Uh, I myself became dizzy, and this is a common thing apparently there. Uh, Ben uh, collapsed uh, to the ground and uh, was... uh, uh, it just uh, people say what kind of father are you for preventing this? Well, first of all, he's a he's almost twenty one, and secondly, it, it was uh, I'm used to this. Uh, I know the the procedures here, and I know when to touch him and when not to touch him. And it's uh, I, I have every confidence in his abilities. It is um, it seems that when he goes into into an area like this, and as I say, this was certainly one of the most powerful I've ever encountered in forty two years of researching this stuff. The any any entity that is there that that is in this, the multiverse vortices that are going on and the worlds that are coming and going and, and that are aware of him seem to want to talk to him. And there were a number of uh, presences uh, which were not negative uh, who attempted to protect us from those that were. It is probably comparable or, or almost worse than the case we always talk about in Connecticut, which is the sort of grand central station, as we say, of the paranormal and all sorts of interesting creatures, life forms are coming and going, things that might be interpreted as ghosts uh, under the normal circumstances, and UFOs, even government activity or the activity of someone of a, uh, with military forces at their disposal is going on in that area. Same thing with Rendlesham. This case, it, which occurred at the center of it being the, the best-known part of it being in 1980, in December when uh, military forces on both sides of the forest, there were two NATO air bases there, were drawn into the forest for secure, but because of security concerns, because of craft that were seen on landing, and it was very. For those of you who are familiar with it, you may be familiar with the halt tape. Colonel Halt was the deputy. Lieutenant Colonel Halt was the deputy base commander of this uh, area, and he he went into the forest with some people, including Monroe Nevels, uh, who was on the show with us recently. And we actually played the tape that he made that night in the place where he made it. It was really quite. Quite an experience on uh, the following Saturday. And also, uh, Larry Warren uh, took us out to show where the landing site was. Uh, it was It's in the middle of somebody's carrot field next to the forest. And for, for many years, the area was discolored all the way up till 1990 and beyond. And Larry was saying how truckloads of earth had to be brought in uh, to fill in this area so that the poor farmer could grow his carrots again. So now it's a carrot field, and Larry said one of these days someone's going to come after him with a shotgun for taking people out there. But it was it was really a wonderful experience, and we thank uh, Larry and and, and uh, Gordy and everyone and Ronnie Dugdale and all our good friends there for showing us uh, such a, a warm welcome and such a very interesting uh, tour of these these areas. So so essentially uh, nothing really happened to me, but uh, Ben had his adventure. So it was great. All right, let's um let's move on then to our, our uh, emails, eos, and uh, let's begin here with. One from Megan in San Jose,
3: California. I should have had a sip of tea for good luck. All right. Um, <laughs> hi, Paul and Ben. We have a psychic that has been working with our group for several years. She often identifies demons that are dominating or holding captive humans who have passed on, not letting them cross over. How would you both deal with a case uh, like this without a seance?
2: <laughs> well, exactly. Do you want to
3: get this one or should I?
2: Well, why, why don't we? Why don't we both? I mean, there there are things in here that we can address
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, because I think the whole approach is wrong. We, what, go ahead. No, you started. You said.
3: You, uh, you uh, started. All right, all right. You, you fired the first shot. You
2: okay. Anyway, John Paul Jones. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, a psychic has been working with the group. Now, presumably, the group is a, I suppose, a, a paranormal investigation group or a ghost hunting group. Now, uh, something we do not encourage, unless you really, really know what you're doing, and almost no one does. So, uh, psychics working with groups are more common than they used to be. Uh, ghost hunters of days of yore did not like psychics, didn't think they were scientific enough, and that has apparently changed. So, this here's the psychic working with a group. There are psychics, and there are psychics. I have no idea who this is, but identifying demons that are dominating or holding captive humans who have passed out. Okay, as long-time listeners, though, we don't approach it that way. Uh, demons, we consider folklore. However, w- what the folklore is based on are life forms that we refer to as parasites. We've done whole shows on these. These are life forms that apparently feed, among other things, on, uh, for lack of a better term, negative human emotions, simply because that's where they they appear and that, that's where they seem to operate. Holding captive humans who have passed on. Well, First of all, we don't believe humans do pass on, really. We believe they're already there in parallel lives, and there are no such things as as ghosts in the classical sense of spirits of the dead. We think it's the actual people in parallel worlds where they never died. And I think what the psychic may be, may be very legitimate, what he or she may be interpreting, is picking up the presence of these people. There are plenty of situations in normal human life, which are very unfortunate, where others are almost parasitical and dominate other people. We've all seen that. I think this can be interpreted as parasites dominating human ghosts. Uh, On the other hand, there are parasites that actually do dominate other parasites in their operations. Uh, We have gone through the various species of parasites on other shows. You can look back at the podcast. I think whoever the psychic is may be perfectly legitimate as far as... uh, abilities are concerned but then is interpreting these things in terms of 19th century spiritualism which doesn't know anything about parasites in that sense and doesn't know anything about the multiverse and and thinks you know understandably so that these are spirits of the dead because what else could they be well there are plenty of other things they could be and uh, and then finally uh, megan here mentions not letting them cross over okay uh uh, cross over to what? Uh, we're, you know, again, this is the the nineteenth century spiritualist approach. Well,
3: it's the other side. Then it's like, what is the other side?
2: Yeah, exactly. Which other side? Yeah, there are billions exactly. of other sides, other universes. Indeed. And then many times we've said we talk about the light. You know, they say, "Oh, send to the light." We've gotten photographs of the light, and to us, it appears to be the boundaries, electromagnetic boundaries between parallel worlds. You might be sending them into a world that might be a hell. And you don't hear from them again, so, aha, you know, I sent them to the lake. You know, good Lord. I mean, don't good. do it. You know. So, uh, Ben, what's your comment here?
3: Oh, uh, well, you. Well, I said use... we better do a comment
2: on the last thing. Without a seance, never oh, do seance. Oh,
3: that's where we were. Yeah. Right. yeah no, we don't do that. Um, and we've never had to do that, and I hope we never will do that. Well, we won't. No, I mean Because we... our approach doesn't call for that.
2: Well, exactly. The, the, these bulldozer tactics that led in all kinds of things you just it's not a good idea your whole approach is wrong and uh i'll finish commenting on that after the break but we do have to take our first break it is behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno on cbs new sky radio and newskyradio.com we will be right back to continue with our emails and you're welcome to call in too on our open line show we'll be right back stay with us
0: thursday is a power pack day here on the sky Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1pm, it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4pm, Colette Baron Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron Reed Show. The Colette Baron Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. Powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate, and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248 545 7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. New Sky Radio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons, No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
1: is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 New NewSkyRadio.com. And
2: welcome back. And just a final comment on that last email uh, regarding seances. Seances are a trap. Uh, they're a bulldozer technique. You don't know what's going to come through. Everybody you know, believes what they're told and you can't really believe what you're told. It's not impossible that you are dealing with what what it, it says it is, but it's it's too dangerous. As we always say, you can stand in the middle of the highway. Maybe you'll get hit. Maybe you won't. It's not worth the risk, and it just it really gets you nowhere. It is a trap. So that's our two cents. Now moving on to the next one. This is about the nature of time, from Scott Mur, uh, Mudry in Randallman, North Carolina, and uh, I kind of take this is rather heavy going. I would take it kind of extra slow. If
3: Uh, Scott J. Mudry. Sorry. You missed the middle name. Okay. Uh, I have read and and understood the information presented on your site. You have performed an incredible amount of analysis. Uh, Please allow me to make one important suggestion, uh, since I hadn't seen it mentioned. When you discuss any concept that involves the nature of time, or the multiverse, you must take into consideration two things. Time is a function of thermodynamics, specifically when electrons cease to orbit uh, nuclei, nuclei, absolute zero existence ceases to exist. Um, Oh, crap, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, But we are simultaneously analyzing data through the lens of self-aware, from a self-aware system, specifically in order to make sense of our temporal experiences, which exist within the framework of the larger infinite uh, we need to be able to sequence events. It's uh, very easy to allow these concepts to overlap. I hope this aids in your work.
2: Okay. Well. Well. Thank you, um, Scott. Very much. That that's very incisive. Um, I would point out a few things. Okay. Th- this is very sensible. Very Heisenberg. However, I I don't know if you're consi- if, if I'm reading this correctly. I don't know if you're considering the contention of many quantum physicists who believe in the multiverse, that the laws of physics are very different or can be very different between, from world to world. And the thing that gets wacky is that these, when, in our experience, we're talking about worlds blending, so do the laws of physics, which is why I think I stood in that house in 1974 in Bridgeport, Connecticut, with a couple of police officers and firefighters and watched refrigerator float off the floor. That couldn't happen in our Strictly speaking, our real, our universe, our um, time, space, stream, with its laws of physics. But since worlds were blending, laws of physics changed. That's how I look at it, anyway. Uh, I, I, time being a function of thermodynamics. That that as I again, I'm not a physicist, not a scientist. I I approach quantum physics from one who has ex- ex- experienced it in the paranormal trenches. Okay. So I guess my background is in philosophy and theology. But anyway, if I'm reading you correctly, uh, again, that is a matter for some debate, uh, particularly in view of what I just said about the laws of physics applying to uh, various worlds in different ways or or different laws of physics. Uh, I mentioned through the lens of a self-aware system, yes, of course, that's um, very safe, (laughs) specifically in order to make sense of our temporal experiences. Well, again, uh, Einstein, of course, also described it as a function of our consciousness. Maybe this is how it's a function of our consciousness here, but time existing in a uh, a state of coexistence, a all time existing co- coexistent with all other time, is also a principle of, generally of quantum mechanics. So I would say uh, maybe you're right, but maybe you're not broad enough in your approach to this. So that's what I would say. But I would consider the idea that the laws of physics really don't mean an awful lot out in the greater multiverse. So take that for what it's worth. But thank you very much for a very incisive uh, note on this this subject. We're very glad to have people of your caliber listening to this show. Okay, here is one about EMF meters. EMF means electromagnetic field meters, which is a very sort of popular tool among engineers and ghost hunters so uh this is from bonnie in denver
3: colorado all right so bonnie writes to us hi paul and then i always look forward to your shows and really appreciate your insights into life from your august 26th show i want. Uh, of what year uh i i wanted to ask what your guest thinks of uh, of, uh how you yourselves use emf meters I heard you explain it several times, uh, the reverse polarity of fields, meaning an exchange of energy between parallel worlds and all that.
2: Oh, okay. We had uh, uh Sperling-Kaffel uh, on the show that day, and this question was meant for her, but it was all a reading it now because it was also – Addressed to us, we didn't have any time to read any emails on that show. And Katharina is an expert in, in uh, electromagnetic fields. And the approach that we were taking on the show was how dangerous can these be? Can they affect human behavior? Can they affect human health? And that was the uh, the approach on that show. So, uh, okay, how how I think of how we ourselves use the FMF, AMF meters? We use them differently than most people do. Uh, we use them sparingly. Uh, I. Often tell the story of how I came to use EMF meters. It was in the early '90s, and I don't know if there were any groups doing that at the time. But I was uh, uh, was suggested to me. Not, I shouldn't say it was near the early uh, '80s, as a matter of fact. And uh, I was the editor of a small newspaper here in Rhode Island, and an engineer friend knew what I was doing. And of course, I, I didn't. You, you don't generally, you know, blurt out that you're the local ghost investigator if you're the editor of the local paper. But this engineer knew and said, "Why don't you?" try because i was explaining in terms of electromagnetic fields and uh s- some suspicions i was already having about uh, the multiverse in this business and, and she said why don't you take an electromagnetic field meter which at the time just had a, a, a needle it didn't there weren't any digital ones that i knew of at that time and said just uh you know see what uh, see what happens so i i took it into a house in uxbridge massachusetts that where there was a um rather serious situation going on. There were some parasites involved, and there had been... It's the interesting case that I've talked about on the show before where I believe I prevented a suicide from occurring in another part of the multiverse and uh, probably in the future in our time stream so that uh, all all seemed to be well at the end of the case. But there was an entity coming down the hallway toward me. I could kind of feel it personally, and that needle on that meter dropped to zero. It was as if the thing died. And I said, what on earth is this all about? So later on, a number of years later, when I got a, a digital EMF meter, and, and this is one of the few electronic gadgets we we use, we found that it will go into the negative range. That's what, the, the, the needle didn't go into the negative range. It just went down to zero and paused and stopped. But the digital meter went into the negative range, Uh, which means the polarity on the electrical field was reversed, and from circumstantial evidence time and time again, it seems that when that occurs, energy is flowing between worlds. So parasites are coming and going, which they seem to be able to do, or time and space are being affected and strange things are happening. Uh, That seems to be uh, how we use use that. Uh, Frankly, our guest at the time did not seem to be too familiar with with that phenomenon i suppose not I've, I've spoken with one or two people who are uh scientists i suppose and they were a little fuzzy on what how what it means when it goes into the negative range something polarity is reversed but in the circumstances in which i was describing it they really couldn't explain how it was happening you know with no source uh, to to up uh, to provide the electrical current that the field surrounds but anyway uh so I guess there really wasn't much of an answer from our guest on that, but it, that is how we generally use EMF meters. Ben, do you have a comment, any comments on that?
3: Um, you're the one
2: who usually deals with the EMF meter. I don't yeah, like yeah. really need it. No, yeah, he did. he's using he's the EMF meter with two legs. So um, anyway, that, that uh, and the note says the reverse polarity in the field, meaning an exchange of energy between parallel worlds and all that. Okay. So I really didn't get much of an answer from Kendra because she and many experts really are not all all that familiar with that. But um, maybe we all kind of learned something on that show.
3: Yeah. You're really, you, you learn a little bit of everything.
2: Absolutely. That's, that's one of the great things about doing this show. We meet wonderful people, we have wonderful listeners, and we learn a lot. All right. Here's a question. This is from Shannon in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I guess it's about cryptoids or cryptids. Cryptoids? Superman?
4: No,
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's right. Planet.
3: Oh, whatever. Anyway, um, I, I find myself pondering the m- many reported sightings of such beings as Sasquatch, Jersey Devil, and Chupacabra, etc. Assuming the not-entire uh, reporting public uh, is involved in a hoax or has an overactive imagination, there must be something to these sightings, but what are they? I have considered the following theories. One, your multiverse theory that they are from another dimension and have overlapped with ours. Two, some or all of these creatures are physical and are undiscovered species. Three, folklore and focused energy have created these beings, i.e., the Jewish golem. Uh, In regards to the Sasquatch, I have heard local hunters and woodsmen say that they have seen them, smelt them, and found hairs, Uh, which lead me to believe that these creatures to be may be physical. But why then? Why they have as as yet? uh, Why we have as of yet never found? Any physical evidence, uh, bones, a carcass, living creature, I would like to hear more of your experiences and how you feel your theories may explain uh, these creatures. All right, th- that's that's a really good
2: good question. There are a couple of points here, Ben, that I, I would I would focus on here. The notion that uh, folklore and focused energy can actually create these things. You know, we r- you run into that with the tulpa thing.
5: Or, vo- or
2: voodoo. Yeah, voodoo, yeah. And th- that's a good question, whether at least some of these cryptids could be literally projected onto the fabric of our space-time by people's minds. Remember, we were talking about the case where – or cases in which uh, paranormal investigators are in houses, and they you know, they—they they assume they're dealing with spirits of the dead that somehow are all-powerful. They can control the environment and everything else, which I think is most mostly nonsense, but – they, they're moving between worlds, so they appear to be able to manipulate space and time, but they'll say, oh, can you change the temperature on this thermometer, or can you move that book, or can you do this, and it'll happen. And, uh, you know, the question arises, uh, is, is some entity doing it? Are, are the, as we often say, the circumstances that allow the entity to manifest, are the energies, are they doing it? Or are the investigators doing it? Yeah. Somehow. And uh, there there is a serious question about that. So in the same way, Perhaps these these things can be manifested by people, or you're walking through the woods and your your mind is your brain is tuned like a radio to the right frequency if you want to use that word, and you can pick up the worlds in which these creatures exist. Yep. Now, the, I'm not so sure I accept the contention that no bodies have ever been found. That no true physical evidence has ever ever been uh, pinned down and studied. There have been, I mean, if, if the UFO phenomenon is any indication, then whoever is hushing that up
3: is probably hushing that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I've thought that too. Yeah, and maybe the maybe there are bodies. Maybe there are uh, plenty. Maybe there's plenty of physical evidence. And speaking of physical. Evidence in the physical reality of these things, if they are, the multiverse does not mean that they're not physically real. As a matter of fact, the, the physicality of all the of most worlds we've encountered is is quite striking, which is why I don't believe that ghosts are spirits. I'm not saying there are no spirits. Uh, there are certainly worlds there must be because we can conceive of them in which these entities are of a different kind of material or, or, or something we don't even recognize as. As uh, something we, we would have in our world, uh, and th- there you have it. So all these are possible, Shannon. When it comes to these things, now one of the things we heard at Rendlesham Forest, um, and you and this is the night you were there too, was people talking about the presence of cryptids, particularly Bigfoot. There have supposedly been um, Chupacabra sightings, which is the first time I've heard of that in Europe, and. You name it, and it's there, much as would be the case in any uh, sort of uh, junction of many worlds, all blending and, and interacting in the places of the energy that Rendlesham has. So uh, did you get any sense of the presence of any cryptids Uh
3: I don't even know what I sensed. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, well, you tend not to remember. When I, don't you really, said
3: I really don't remember much, to be completely honest. Yeah,
2: okay. So I, don't, I did uh, I did. record the whole thing. We found that our, our video cameras – oh, we need a break. I'm sorry. I, I've been rattling on. It's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and we'll be right back.
0: Stay with us. Thursday is a power-packed day here on the Sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1pm, it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4pm, Colette Baron Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron Reed Show. The Colette Baron Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate and meaningful. Call in early, the lines are hot, 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at newskyradio.com. Newsky Radio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons, No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
1: CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 New NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. And we're back and we're just
2: dealing with a email, very interesting email from Shannon in uh, Vancouver, Vancouver, B.C. <coughs> and Shannon has been asking about the uh nature of cryptids, nature of Sasquatch and these sorts of creatures, Jersey Devil, etc., uh lake monsters and all that business. Uh, that are seen. but what is the explanation for the Multiverse, uh, physical, undiscovered species. That's, of course, always possible. But or then if, they came, the if
3: it comes from a multiverse thing, how does that make them not physical?
2: Oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah, they, they, I think they're perfectly physical. So I've had, uh, I don't know, maybe more than Ben, have had experiences during, uh, there's a particular place at our property where I'll go, and sometimes we'll see these uh, in our old house, which was uh, much more woodsy than this one is. I once came out of a we had a little lodge I had for meditation purposes. And I came out and there was a one of the as I refer to them, the, the lion people standing there. And uh, I could hear it, it walking and the uh, or him or she or whatever was walking in the, the leaves of the forest floor and it just disappeared. And uh, this is something that uh, I thought, well, it's got to be multiversal. They're coming and going. Some species are better at that than we are. One thing I need to point out here, though, Shannon, the multiverse idea is uh, one of many worlds. Many worlds, in this sense, and dimensions are not necessarily the same thing. Well, they aren't the same thing. Uh, They are used interchangeably, even by us sometimes when talking about these things. But within worlds, there may be many dimensions. String theory, which I think is a little bit stretched—pardon the pun—is uh, is sort of a, a way to to uh, reconcile old physics with new physics, uh, Newtonian physics with quantum physics. And in so doing, there are uh, it is postulated that there are perhaps ten or eleven different dimensions. But th- but that's within our world, okay, as I, as I understand it. So uh, there are a lot of little innuendos and things here that may affect the answer to this question. But I think you're essentially, in your three approaches to what a cryptid might be, uh, may be right on all counts. Uh, Certainly some are undiscovered species, I'm sure. Others are multiversal. Others may be focused energy. We actually sort of create these things. So very good points. Thank you for for writing in about that. Uh, Here is one from Paris, a person named in Malta. Okay, in the Mediterranean Sea. That's an interesting.
3: Task. Oh, almost uh, hit that over.
2: Uh, yeah, I'd kind of take that a little slowly. All
3: right. So, hi, my name is Paris, and I've been studying the paranormal alongside the Bible for 26 years. I cl- I clean up the mess with uh, I clean up the mess that ghost hunters leave behind, and the damage that Ouija boards make in people's lives. Paul, all spirits are demons. They have been around around uh, from the beginning of time trying to dilute people into thinking they are someone's long-dead relative Uh, spirits know all things about you and your family that's why they can't answer or they can answer all questions uh, put to them
2: okay why don't don't we break this up Okay. okay paris i see your point here uh ben please please comment on this as well Uh, All demons are, all spirits are demons. Well, I I don't think all, all, if you want to use the term demons in place of parasites, I don't think all demons are are spirits. Uh, I I think spirits are rather few and far between. Spirits in the sense of creatures without bodies, without physical bodies. I think that most of our worlds we're talking about are are rather physical. Now, I see what you're getting at here. Uh, I think you are... uh, Obviously, temp, your, your point of view is tempered by your religious beliefs. That's fine. You could be right. But I think that all this is kind of bigger th- than that. I think in order to – well, you know, if, if you can use the Bible as a book of interpreting the paranormal, which I don't think that's what it's for, you might come to the same conclusions or even different conclusions. That's why there are you know, 20,000 or more. That's no exaggeration. Different groups that claim to be christian based on the bible because nobody can agree on what it all means so i think uh uh, you know obviously you're entitled to your opinion but i wouldn't necessarily agree uh here even that, that that the whole spirit thing is correct i do not think that all paranormal manifestations are demonic they are not all intended to mislead us plenty are but not, for, I don't think, for theological reasons. I think because these life forms need to eat. I mean, I don't like mosquitoes, but I understand what, why why they will land and, and suck our blood because that's how they eat. It's the same thing. They will use. Matter of fact, I I think parasites have used religion.
3: I, th- I think you should let me finish the email before you keep going. Sorry. Go All right. Uh, he goes on to say the Bible clearly tells us that if you study it. Uh, the Bible clearly tells that if you study it. I have known ex-Satanists and ex-Illuminati members and Freemasons who have all confirmed this uh, many times. Uh, demons slash spirits are all out to deceive us and lead us away from God. The an- the questions you can not answer on Coast to Coast, I can. There are no friendly spirits, Paul. It is a deception. And I can and I will prove this to you. Um, Is that... Epiphanes chapter uh i can't tell what book of the bible is that they're talking uh, about it's uh the third to last line
2: ephesians six twelve. all right uh, yeah all yeah, right ephesians yeah. 6 12.
3: A- yeah first start if uh, if we only pick up one leaf from a tree do we have a tree in our hands or do we need the branches to uh to before we have a whole tree you have my email if you would like to talk about what i know god bless you and yours paul paris
2: well, thank you, Paris. I, 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 when I have time, I'd like to talk to you more, uh, perhaps by email here. Certainly, but I would like to uh, comment that see, it, see, you put things in terms that I think are, aren't big enough. Uh, if we pick up one leaf from a tree, do we have a tree in our hands? Yes, we do. All of it, all trees. That's the nature of the multiverse. I, you know, I, I don't know if I want to get into explaining that here, but I just think you're. Yeah, well let me let me let me, let me just approach it this way there are those in the most ancient churches I have no idea what your denomination is I you know you're using the Bible as do a lot of other people um, in a way that I don't think it was intended to be used yes all parasites are not our friends parasites mean us maybe not harm but they don't mean us any good and I say I don't know if they deliberately mean to hurt us when, when they, they feed from us, because, you know, you don't hurt your food source, although, of course, we, we do slaughter and eat, turn cows into hamburgers, so who knows? Uh, I, think, yeah, I think plenty of them do mean to hurt us, now that I think of it, now that I look back on my own experience with it. So, it, but I mean, it, I, I have never found that their theology is the same as ours. They can be, if, if you yourself use it as a tool and really believe, they can be terrified by the name of Jesus. But they can also be terrified by the name of ISIS or or, or or some avatar or Buddha or whatever whom you find to be powerful. They can be battled successfully and terrified of your own ancestors. It all depends on what power you can call upon. It is not to denigrate any of these that I say this. It is to point out my experience for what it's worth, which is stretches over 42 years anyway. So I just uh, I just don't know. There there are those in the most ancient churches who would say that you, unless you are part of the tradition, I know that's a dirty word for some, you know, modern evangelicals, but it, it's a legitimate word from the early church tradition with a capital T, of which the Bible is considered a part by them. That you have no right to use the Bible. If you are not part of that tradition, because you won't understand it, and the fact that there are twenty thousand different— th- and th- this is my seminary training— uh, talking here, take it for what it's worth—that there are twenty thousand or plus groups that uh, you know can't agree with each other and don't don't you know don't read the Bible in the same way and all this. And I would ask, what language you are reading the Bible in? Are you reading it in in Greek? Even if you are, we don't know the original words. We don't know which are the oldest manuscripts, and even then, some of them were chased. So I mean, one hopes, as I often say, that uh, the spirit of God preserves the point of these things. But to just use that as as uh, the be-all and end-all for paranormal research, I don't think is quite good enough because that's not what it's meant for. It warns us, particularly in First John, uh, do not. Trust every spirit. In, in uh, Greek, it says, "Do not believe every spirit," and uh, that's very good advice. We take that advice to heart all the time. Don't believe, don't trust these critters until you are sure that they are what they say they are, and that that can be very tricky. So it's best to kind of, kind of be very cautious about the whole thing. So yeah, I agree with you here, but I see your point. But uh, let, let's, uh, let's 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 get in touch and, and try to to see where um, where we are here with this all right here is um another oh okay ready to read that one okay here here's one from uh, how are we uh, doing we're,
3: we're gonna be breaking
2: oh we got to break again I'm sorry I did it again be right back behind the paranormal stay with us
0: Mondays are motivational it all begins with you and that's where the movement within featuring life coach April Claxton comes in. Join April and her uplifting guests Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Featured on Animal Planet, Court TV, Unsolved Mysteries, and The Hauntings, Psychic Barbara Mackey. Barbara is a sixth generation psychic medium, animal psychic, and spirit communicator. Tune into Visions with Barbara Mackey at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. There are four corners, and Will and Nancy will take you there at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Existence is what we live for adventure is our journey metaphysical topics inspiring and educational guest speakers psychic readings and more Artie's the party with angels and answers mondays at 9 p.m eastern time psychic readings and more Join the fun. What goes bump in the night? Heidi knows. At 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Heidi Hollis's The Outlander will lunge into topics on all things outlandish and more. Call in or write Heidi to vent or get advice about your paranormally inspired curiosities or challenges. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at newskyradio.com. New Sky Radio. Newskyradio.com. New Horizons. No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
1: is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248-545Soul, well, new skyradio.com.
2: Oh, welcome back. We thought we'd probably finish up this evening uh, going back to the subject of Randlesham and various things that we uncovered there. The area, as we suggested, is a flap area that the 1980 UFO sightings were the tip of an iceberg, and a very big iceberg that reaches back, uh, apparently, even prior to Roman times. Uh, ben there on Friday night, the 21st, uh, w- was clearly picked up the sense of, of a Druid presence in these woods, which was very common. Uh, in that time, they were, would hide from the Romans, and Romans didn't like them. Uh, and then other examples of things that have happened within... Uh, Almost sight of this area are the green children of Woolpit in the 12th century. Two, a boy and a girl with green skin literally appeared in the village of Woolpit saying they'd come out of a cave. The cave was well known. And that they uh, lived in an underground world. This is after they learned to speak English, which took quite a while. And uh, this was about 20 miles from the Rendlesham area. Uh, and also in the 1642, there was the – I hope I'm pronouncing this. Remind me, Ben, if, if, because they told us how to pronounce this. Uh, I said Aldeburg, but they said uh, so, Aldeburg or something like that. something like, like that, yeah. Uh, there was a sky battle seen by numerous people in 1642 when apparently craft of some kind in the sky were fighting with each other. And, then, of course, one thinks this area was, was very active during World War II. Uh, it's in eastern England. A lot of the air bases, uh, the, the very ones that, that are next to Reynolds Forest, uh were founded, uh, built during World War II when uh, the Battle of Britain was occurring and the Germans were attacking Britain and, you know, strafing things and bombing a lot of areas outside of London. And uh, one thing, one wonders if it's 1642, uh, worlds didn't uh, sort of blend and they, they saw into what for them would be the future – uh, which was a, perhaps a, an air battle of World War Two, or something entirely different. But they saw something in the sky in 1642, 13 miles. <coughs> uh, excuse me, from Rendlesham Forest. In 1988, there were reports of a disappearing cyclist. A fellow would be riding a bicycle and just dis- disappear in front of people. 40 miles away from Rendlesham, there were numerous big cat sightings, uh, particularly in the Sudbury, Suffolk area. In 1996, uh, I myself was sent. To Devon, on the other side of the country, in 1989, excuse me, to research the Beast of Exmoor, which was a big cat and saw some interesting things on that trip. And there were numerous black dog sightings, (coughs) excuse me again, ongoing, countywide, been going on since Saxon times and this sort of thing, the black dog being a symbol of danger or death or this sort of thing very often seen with red eyes. One thinks of Mothman. The Rendlesham Forest itself, UFOs, orbs, ghosts, time slips, (coughs) poltergeist activity, black dogs, etc., ongoing stories again, back to Saxon times. Ben, I'm dying here, so say something. (coughs) Would you like something to drink? Uh, I have to. Just continue talking about Rendlesham.
3: Well, Rendlesham was a very odd place, and if anybody in the local area around... um, uh, like Northern Rhode Island and Southern New England, something like that, has ever been to Freetown State Forest, it's very similar to there, very similar to the uh, Bridgewater Triangle. It's a very odd place that is um, – uh, it's very ambiguous, as I like to describe it as. But – that's enough about Rendlesham. We'll talk to you more about our experiences at some other point in time because we have to start wrapping up for the show.
2: Yeah, yeah I did have a similar feeling.
3: So my dad and I will be featured speakers at the All Hallows' Eve Psychic Fair at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island on Sunday, October 28th. And watch for more info on those events at www.behindtheparanormal.com.
2: And you can get my books, certainly, from Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Nook, uh, e-reader, and Kindle, Kindle Fire and all the other great stuff that you get from amazon uh certainly my books of faces at the window footsteps in the attic turning home god ghost and human destiny they're all there
3: all right so don't forget our website www.behindtheparanormal.com so we have four we have a bunch of free podcasts on there nearly 400 shows and that includes well everything essentially so many thanks to our producer brandon jackson and we will see you right here October 7th, when we will welcome back someone we haven't heard from in a long time, author, monster hunter, and UFO expert, Frank Ficino, to talk about his new book on the Braxton (coughs) County Monster. That's
2: actually a mistake in the script. It's it's a revised copy of the book, and we just Uh, got it. I'm really
3: excited to read it. It looks terrific. It's expanded. So in the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time Show on WOON 1240 AM and onworldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. So who are we having on tomorrow?
2: Oh, tomorrow we have um, Rebecca Hawkins, who is a uh, nurse, a hospice nurse, and has witnessed many, many uh, passings of people. As but not, not you know, I, I witnessed some, too, while working as a graduate student and a seminarian uh, in hospitals, but not as many as she has. A lot of interesting stories about near-death experiences, things of that kind.
3: Oh, well, it sounds very fascinating. So I will leave you to your quote. Okay. Well, we leave you
2: this evening with a thought from the early 20th century French poet Guillaume Apollinaire. Now and then it's good to pause in our pursuit of happiness and just be happy.
3: Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time.